Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning to you and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host this week, Jared Sandler from 105.3 The Fan. I want to thank you for waking up early with us and joining us as we talk to a couple really, really interesting people with some great organizations. Uh, later on this hour, we're going to catch up with Daniel Boyd, the public information officer for the Texas Department of Transportation. We'll be getting the latest from TXDOT as it becomes a really busy time on the North Texas roadways and perhaps the weather uh, not going to be our best friend uh, as we travel from place to place. TXDOT has rolled out uh, several safety campaigns and tips, and we'll talk about those. But first, Special Abilities in North Texas provides the highest quality care, training, and support to adults with special needs, uh, giving them opportunities to succeed in life and I'm guilty of this because I have a charity that focuses on kids with special needs, but uh, oftentimes the adults uh, can unfortunately maybe not be top of mind and special abilities make sure that they always are top of mind. Uh, again, giving them opportunities to succeed in life, family, and, and around the DFW community. They started out as a small nonprofit in 1993, and we're excited to talk about how you can help out special abilities and join in on their mission and what they're trying to accomplish. And to help us do that, joining us, their president and CEO, Jaquel Redmond. Jaquel, thanks so much for waking up with us this morning. Hi, and thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to tell more about what it is we do and why we're here. Thank you for having us. So before we we get into that, uh, how did you get into this? Uh, How did you become the president and CEO of this great organization? So I've been with Special Abilities for um, almost four years now, um, and I have, so there's, so it's twofold. One, I have been in the nonprofit industry, uh, gosh, very long time, for at least uh, almost 20 years now, um, and uh, coming from another nonprofit organization, um, I joined Special Abilities. I saw, um, I saw that they were looking for someone. I actually have a sister-in-law who has special needs. And so it's, it's a cause that's very close, close to my heart. And when I got ready to move and do something different in my field, I thought, gosh, what a wonderful opportunity to help a cause that is so near and dear to me. Um, and that's how I ended up at Special Abilities. So in, in the introduction, sort of laid out a little bit about what Special Abilities is all about, but uh, I, I think it's, it's maybe more important to hear from you. What is the mission of Special Abilities? So in telling you the mission of special abilities, I think it's really important to kind of notice um, just kind of things that we don't think about. You know, I usually go out and I ask people, I say, you know, you know, there's this in, in, in history's past, there have been these classrooms and they've had these kids and, you know, they were kids that needed a little extra attention. They needed extra help. They may have needed some sort of physical care to get around the school. And I say, you know, did anyone know any of these kids? And everyone will, you know, will raise their hand and say yes. And I say, well, great. Do you know where they are now? And then there's only like, usually none, but <laughs> there's like maybe one person who raises their hand and says, oh, yeah, I know where they are now. Um, and that's kind of why we exist. The challenge that caregivers face in Texas um, and all over and all over the country, actually, um, but especially in Texas, where at the age of 22, students who have special needs, citizens who have special needs, age out of the public school system at that age. And so, you know, 22, you know, some of us have kids and we're thinking, oh, they're going to go to college, they're going to go some sort of school, they're going to live on their own. 
And that's not what these caregivers get to think about. They have to think about where can I take my loved one where they're going to be safe during the day and I can still work. I can work a full hour day and be comfortable knowing that they're being taken care of. And that's the gap that we exist to fill. There are lots of um, organizations that cater to um, that cater to individual um, individual children that have special needs, but there are far fewer that cater to adults that need help um, in this industry. And that's why we exist. Uh, so we have our five program pillars. Once they come to us, some come to us at 18, and some come to us after they're after they've transitioned out of the public school, and they come to us at 22. So our youngest. Our youngest client, and we actually call our clients ACEs. So ACE is for Adults Creating Excellence because we feel like there's so much more than just a client. Like they are really here and they're creating excellence. And we came up with that name for them because we thought, you know, at the end of the day, it's inclusive because we're all adults trying to do our best. But we have to have the help of our community, our families, and the people around us to allow us to do that. And our program pillars that we offer our ACEs include community inclusion and social development, uh, pre-vocational training, home and independent living skills. We do health and fitness, and we also do creative arts, and we do these things in a way that's appropriate for adults, not children, um, to help them sort of foster those skills that they may lose along the way or help them to build new skills um, that they can use and take those skills out into the community so that they also have an opportunity to give back. All right, so... Jaquel, let's go through those pillars uh, and, and maybe expand on each of them. And, and let's start with community inclusion and social development. So a, as a pillar, what what does special abilities do to uh, expand on that? So as a community, what we do, so one is um, the community inclusion. We So this is obviously, so I'm talking a little bit here about pre-COVID, because that's a different <laughs> that's a different <laughs> But um so we have, uh, we, we're also a United Way partner. I wanted to mention that. And um, we have a van that United Way helped, uh, they assisted us to get. We have a big bus. And we take that bus, so like we came out to a few of the stations, we take that bus and we take them on, um, on trips so they can learn more about, uh, they can learn more about things, learn more about the things around them, learn more about the people around them and also feel included as a part of the community. Some of those things simply involve going to a restaurant, taking out the menu, sitting down, and telling the waiter or waitress what they'd like to eat, um, which is something that we take for granted. Um, however, that's a skill that many of our aces need to hone. You know, I want to go out to dinner. I want to be able to order a meal. Um, we also go out on volunteerism projects. We go to, we have a spot at Keep Louisville Beautiful, um, which is something that our agents really enjoy, uh, go out and take care, take care of that spot. We do uh, bags for the homeless, and we go out and deliver those. And so we just do things to include them in community. One, inclusion is not just being included and doing something separately from everyone else, but also creating partnerships with organizations that will allow them to come in and maybe do some sort of service project along with the organization so there's this feeling of inclusion and not just we're bringing our aces out to do something on their own. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely it does. Uh, and I, I think, you know, people listening probably uh, are, are, are thinking, man, you know, I, I didn't think about that. Uh, just mm -hmm. little little things like what you mentioned that, that really do make a big difference. Uh, another one of the pillars, uh, pre-vocational training. So what can you share with us about that? So many of our ACEs have aspirations to work. They want to be able to um, get the skills they need to go out and, you know, there we have a few who say there's one who wants to work for a grocery store, um, someone who wants to work at the park, or they have these jobs that they want to be able to attain. And so we give them practice on that, or even practice doing, um, so around Valentine's Day, we make baskets, um, we make baskets with it's, it's twofold. We make baskets because we want to introduce them to what the process looks like for building a product, for building something um, that somebody else is going to want, putting it together, and then the, the achievement of saying, yay, I did this. And then that's something that we uh, train them on so they can take those skills and they're transferable because now they know how to build something. They know how to, you know, you know say this basket has to have all of these things. They put that in. 
and then we actually sell those to the community for donations. But it gives our ACES practice. We also have partnered with the Lions Club um, for um, – they collect glasses, old glasses, and our ACES will sort those glasses for the Lions Club, and the Lions Club takes those back, and they send those off to developing countries where they may be useful for those who can't afford proper eyewear. So there are different things that we do to try to cultivate um, that training and give them the skills that they need to, especially the soft skills, um, but then also some of those physical skills needed to be able to um, go out and attain jobs that they want. We have mock employment interviews um, and different things like that. I'm curious, Jacal. You mentioned at the beginning of that you know, some some possible jobs. What are the jobs, uh, in addition to the ones you kind of mentioned, that uh, seem to be the best fits uh, for the the aces that you are around on a regular basis? So everybody is so different, and I can definitely say that. You know, we have some ACEs, and they help us out up here. They're, they're our receptionists. They sit, they answer the phone. They check people in. <laughs> we have ACEs who they're, 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 you know, excited about cleaning. So they'll, they'll actually volunteer and say, hey, I want to, I want to, they'll, they'll follow our, they'll follow the maintenance guy around and say, hey, I want to help you clean today. I want to do that. You know, it's, it's maintenance. Um, there's some again, who just like they, they're good with customer service. So making, staying at the door and, and greeting people or answering the phones even. So the, the, the type of skills that our ACEs have, that they're able to apply into different workplaces, they vary greatly. And if you, let's just say, Jaquel, we got a, a potential employer uh, who's listening and, you know, they're thinking, okay, this, Hey, I, I want to hire an ACE. I, w- I want to hire uh, you know, an, an adult with special needs, what, what advice would you give them as far as working with them? Because you're, you know, at this point, a, a trained professional at, at this, you know, perhaps they aren't. What, what quick advice would you maybe offer? Quick advice that I would, that I would offer if I were to just kind of um, sum up and say, you know, the types of things you may want to look for. One, you have to be um, patient. <laughs> I would say you have to be patient. Um, and, and allow that learning curve for the ACE to learn the skill that you're asking. And, and there are things that are more streamlined and, and simplistic um, that, that often work better. For example, if you need a mail sorter in your mail room, that's something that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, there, there are ACEs who can do way, well above that. But, for example, if you need a mail sorter in your mail room, having someone to say, this is how you do it, having something that actually has a standard process, you want to have something that's straightforward. You know, there's a one, two, three, four, five. You know, there's a process to doing it because that's how many of our ACEs work best through repetition. We're talking with. So Ja-, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jaquel. Go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> oh, uh, so uh, we're talking with Jaquel Redmond. She's the president and CEO of Special Abilities in North Texas. This is a, a tremendous organization that serves adults uh, with special needs and, and giving them opportunities in, in life uh, with, with family and, and, and social relationships in the, the community. Uh, and we're just going through right now some of the pillars of uh, special abilities. Uh, and, and one of them, you know, we, we just mentioned family and relationships and, and whatnot, home and independent living skills. What, what are some of the things that special abilities does to enhance uh, that particular pillar? So that particular pillar is one that, you know, while, while we, we were getting to it now, that's really one of the really high pillars on our list because we have ACEs that range from ages 18 and I think our oldest ACE is in their 70s. And we don't allow, we, there's, no, there's no set amount of time or limit put on how long um, an individual can attend our facility. So what happens is, you know, many times we get um, ACEs that are younger and they come in and they're still learning how to do things for themselves whether that be um, washing dishes, you know, washing their own clothes, um, washing their own clothes, folding, making their bed. Because at, at some point, and we've actually had this to happen many times, um, as our ACEs age, so do their parents, so do their caregivers. And as they age, as much as, as, much as their abilities will allow, we want to be able to foster those independent living skills. We want to be able to, if they are capable we want to provide an environment where they're able to hone those skills 
so that when they do have transitions in their families or their living situations change and they're no longer living with, you know, grandma and grandpa, but they're living in a group home, that they are as independent as they possibly can be based on their level of ability. And that's why that is so important to us. We teach them how to make meals. Um, a lot of the meals we teach them how to make are um, done in a very safe way. So we'll say, you know, a lot of the things are done in a microwave, things you can do in a microwave, things that you can assemble without um, having to use anything hot. Um, just making sure that they have some of those things that, like I said, frankly, you know, a lot of us take for granted every day that we, we, we get up and we make toast and we make us a cup of coffee. And we want to make sure that our aces are able to do that on their own as well, um, including um, we have some who um, who they need help going to the restroom on their own. And we've also had some who have come in needing help to go to the restroom on their own, and then they're going to the restroom on their own now. So we want to encourage as much independence as we possibly can so that when changes happen, um, when living situations change, that they are, um, that many of them, are in uh, are in a place where they can kind of pick up on those things and not require as much assistance from their caregiver. If if you're just tuning in or maybe you missed something, this information uh, is all available online, specialabilities.net. And, and in a bit, we're going to discuss how you as a member of the community can uh, take part or, or contribute uh, to special abilities. But uh, I'll just tell you right now, if you're compelled to donate, which is obviously always an important part of uh, nonprofits and their ability to function at, at top level, go to specialabilities.net, and it's pretty clear on the top right in white lettering and uh, inside a blue ribbon, there's a donate button. Uh, the The website, again, specialabilities.net. We're going to go into other ways uh, you know people can contribute, and, and we'll probably remind you that you can donate uh, in a few minutes as well. But uh, just a, a heads up, maybe you're about to get out of the car, whatever the case might be, specialabilities.net's the website. Uh, Jaquel, another one of the pillars is health and fitness, and I know that this is uh, oftentimes a, a big problem for people with disabilities uh, for a variety of reasons that uh, perhaps they aren't given the the encouragement, uh, the instruction, okay. the opportunity to be healthy and to maybe engage in fitness. So what are some of the things that Special Abilities does to address this? So we actually have a room that um, that's currently dedicated to health and fitness. And we really just encourage them to move. And it kind of, it goes in line with home and independent living skills. So those kind of tie together when we start talking about nutrition. So we, we, we help them think about the things that are actually healthy for their bodies, you know, what they should be eating, um, like they should be eating, what's healthy. <laughs> so to be able to make healthy decisions, not what they should, because we all eat snacks, right? Um, but to be able to make healthy decisions about the things that they eat and also just get moving. A lot of times, you know, um, and I can say that from personal experience um, with my sister-in-law, you know, if, if we don't if we don't say anything, uh, she is 20, she is 28. And if we don't say anything, you know, she'll just she'll sit around, she'll watch TV, she'll she'll eat, she'll hang out, she'll sleep, um, but she won't get moving. So we have to say, hey, come on, get up, let's get moving, let's go. Um, so just encouraging that. Um, it's encouraging that movement. So we have, uh, when we're running regular hours, we have each week a yoga instructor come in, um, as well as a Zumba dance instructor come in and provide classes for our ACEs. All right. And then the, the, the fifth of the five pillars, and not that there's any level of importance, but just this is, uh, in order of, of our conversation, number five, the creative arts, uh, and, and giving the ACEs the ability to, uh, go down this path and, and, and share some creativity and, uh, and, and use that as an outlet. What are some of the things that, that Special Abilities does here? So some of our ages, gosh, they have really blown us away in this creative arts department. Um, I think having a creative, a creative outlet um, many times is something that, you know, I know for myself whether I'm like super creative or not, um, having a creative outlet is something that we that we want to have, that we want to be able to experience and kind of try different things to see what sticks. And boy, have we found some real talent with our ACEs. Um, in our creative arts, we try to, um, again, many times we try to tie it back into experiences if we can. Um, for example, it may be, you know, they're making, um, they're, they're putting a plant together or making a small Zen garden, which is kind of 
decorative, but also artistic, and it's something to learn about plants. Um, aside from that, we have done things like make, uh, we've had someone to come in who does pottery, and they've helped our aces to do pottery, and they've made raku bowls and made um, different items that are just really beautiful pieces. And there have been times when, you know, our aces say, you know, uh, our, the caregivers of our aces, it's like, gosh, they make this really beautiful piece, and they allow us to donate those things back into um, one of our events so that they can be uh, in our um, so that they can be put up for auction. And we say, you know what, this was created by an adult who has intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, and that money then goes back to support uh, the organization to help us continue to provide those creative arts services. Jaquel Redmond's the president and CEO of Special Abilities, joining us here on Better Living. Again, the website, specialabilities.net. Uh, Jaquel, we, we just heard you share some amazing things that special abilities does and, and people have warm and fuzzies, but, uh, I, I know that there are always challenges too. Uh, and yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's not as easy to accomplish the things that you just shared, uh, as it was for you to share what special abilities attempts to do. What, what are, what are the challenges? What are the, uh, what, what's the dilemma perhaps that, uh, special abilities faces? So I'll start out with saying that um, in terms of providing funding to adults with special needs here in Texas, we rank number 49 um, of all the states. Uh, so pretty low on the list for providing funding for the type of services that we provide or providing funding for adults with disabilities. Um, Texas considers a day of services for what we do. They consider that five hours. Well, they won't pay for anything past that, but we are a 10-hour-a-day facility. And we have done that over the past years because we figure, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a parent, a caregiver, a brother, a sister, or aunt, um, I can't keep my family unit together and work a full day if, I'm only, if, I'm only, if it's only available for five hours. And so what we find in, um, in, in this area is that many programs are only five hours. So they only do the program for five hours. We um, historically have provided 10 hours a day of services so that families can remain, their, their family units can remain intact and their caregivers can work full jobs. And also ACEs can have a full day of engaging in services and support. Um, and the state of Texas only funds um, at, at a really astonishing low rate. And that rate is sometimes as low as $16 per day for a 10 hour program. And to add to that, Let's say we have, let's say our, our median range for someone attending our program would cost us about $25, $26 a day. If I say that, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the average amount when we put everything together. Um, if that person decides individually that they only want to attend three hours a day or two hours a day, um, it is required that we prorate that amount that's already strikingly low. <laughs> so um, when you think about it in those terms, that's less than 20% of what it costs us to actually provide the services, and that is why we're a nonprofit. Sometimes people say, well, why are you a nonprofit? Isn't this like daycare where families, families just pay for it? You know, and it's not the case. Um, most, of our, most of our clientele um, is going to be low to moderate income families, and they honestly are not able to pay for a full day of services. And so what we do is we take the money that they provide us from the state and we subsidize that and get more money by um, being a nonprofit and soliciting grants and donations into individual contributions to help us run the program and, and also being a United Way partner. And we absolutely could not do what we do without the help of the community because if we were to rely on uh, solely the money that we were getting um, from um, from the state, then we would not be able to uh, come in and open our doors every day. Jaquel Redmond with us here on on Better Living, and you know those challenges have obviously been amplified by what's gone on here in 2020 with uh, with the coronavirus. How has that impacted uh, the operations for Special Abilities? Gosh, it's been a huge impact and I know everybody's probably saying this but we had no idea um, that when we closed our doors as a safety precaution um, in March of this year that we would be closed for several months um, 
we have um, we we've, we've tried to come up with creative solutions to help keep our aces engaged, um, and we did that by providing uh, <clears throat> providing Zoom uh, providing Zoom classes online, and so we have. Um, Two of our program managers here, well, our director of pro, our director of programs, and one of our program managers, who have been providing this service um, throughout much of this uh, closure time during COVID, to help keep ACEs engaged and let them know that we're still here for them, um, and we we are also during this time helping, uh, not helping, um, preparing our building for a reopen in January. But we have lost an enormous amount of revenue and funding to operate the program, even for a lot of our just regular expenses. Um, when you're not <clears throat> able to build anything for the program, it definitely makes a difference. So that, that has been a challenge for us. It's a challenge that we will fully overcome. Um, we are currently scheduled to reopen our doors on, I believe it's January 11th of 2021. And during this time, we are um, making it safe, um, or as safe as we possibly can. So we are right now um, moving out things that don't work anymore. We had long tables, so we're having to buy new desks, desks that we can put sneeze shields on. We're having to re redo our entire facility, um, filtration and all of that, to just make sure that we are able to keep our ACEs safe. Um, when we bring them actually back into the building to resume those services. And so our challenge now is we've also missed our annual fundraising uh, gala, which is the Denim, Diamonds, and Dice Gala that we've had for the past three years, which brings in a significant amount of revenue for us. We were not able to have that event this year. Uh, it would have taken place in October, and we're working on now moving that event um, to the spring, but we're looking for locations, and that's been, that's been an issue. We're hoping that we can actually be in a building, but it's also been an issue looking for locations. A lot of times we get space donated to us, uh, space donated to us, and that's something that we're, that we're really in need of right now and also coming up with um, ways to raise money online um, for our program as it opens up so that we can bring all of our staff back in and go ahead and get restarted with that. Well, you just mentioned, uh, you know, I guess some of the, the challenges that perhaps someone listening could contribute to, uh, again, specialabilities.net. Uh, one way you can always help is just donate, and, and it's very clear. You go to the website, top right corner, uh, there's a, a button you can click on to donate. But but what are ways people can help out and uh, in, in, in help with some of the challenges either now or just in general? So a few things that we, in general, um, we love it when people have a skill or talent and they can volunteer to come teach our ACEs what they know. Um, we have our employees here who do really great at coming up with creative activities. But if, if, you, if you decide you want to share your gift, uh, whether it be you're a musician and you know how to teach or you just want to come in and, you know, do, do a small um, performance for our ACEs because many of them love music. We also um, accept people at varying levels. Um, so coming in and doing in our sensory room and um, providing an experience for them, that's something that you can do. Coming in and just uh, doing things that we need on the weekend. If there are groups who are looking for a project, you know, we have windows. <laughs> we have windows that must be cleaned. So if you're looking for something really um, hands-on to do, we have opportunities like that. Um, as well as um, this doesn't go exactly right into the, it's not like a recurring donation, but we have an Amazon wish list as we are uh, going around our building and making sure that things are safe. Again, I mentioned that we are disposing of a lot of things and bringing a lot of things in. We have an, an Amazon wish list on our website, and you could help us reduce our supply costs by just sending us something from our Amazon wish list when you're shopping for your own things. Uh, that would be very helpful to us. And like us on Facebook, which is always a thing, because we want to spread the word and let people know that we are here. There's so many people that are looking for a place for their loved ones, and they don't know that there's a place like Special Abilities that's right in their backyard that is accessible to them. And so we want you to like us and share our mission with your friends and family. And when we have events, share those and attend those fundraising events and also sponsor leads. If you work for a company and you know that this is something that your company might be interested in, Share us, you know, connect us. 
um, we, we, we need people to, we need more people to advocate not only for special abilities, but for, but for this community as a whole. This is often such an overlooked community because we don't think about it. And, on, and honestly, many times, you know, there's some of our agents, you could walk by and you don't know that there's, you don't know that there's something, um, that there's, there's something special about them. You don't know that. And so awareness, uh, we need more advocates and awareness. And I think that um, the, that the community, if the community could help us do that, get the word out, that would be very valuable to us. Jaquel, we, we've covered a ton. What else uh, is important for people to know, or, or what do you want to just remind people of when it comes to special abilities? I want to remind people that a lot of times we don't think about we don't think about things that are going on in the world or things that are going on with other people unless we ourselves are affected by that or there's someone that we know that's being affected by that. And I think that as citizens, and we're all in this together, that we all have a responsibility to kind of help each other out. Um, And that's why I say it's so important to spread the word because that's because this isn't something, you know, again, an overlooked population. This may not be something that affects you directly, but it's affecting so many families. And you'd be surprised. It could be that person you work with who has a son or daughter that they haven't mentioned or, you know, and it's, it's, just, it's a really, it's a really big deal. And my goal is that more people know about it um, and advocate for that and say, you know, I, I know this place where you could probably do some good, or this may be something, if you want to give back, if you want to volunteer, let me, let me tell you about special abilities because the more people that we get involved in this mission um, as special abilities and in this population as a whole, I think that the more impact, there, there will be so much more impact made because then we have people who are outside of this little, this little um, circle or this group of people who's being affected by um, this, to where we're spreading it to those who aren't, who will also spread it to those who aren't because it is such a great cause. And if that's my and, and that is my goal, um, one of my biggest goals as um, the leader of this organization organization is to get people involved who might not ordinarily be involved, but when they learn about it, they say, "Wow, that is a really good mission. It's a really interesting mission, and I want to be a part of that." Well, Jaquel, this is a, an amazing organization, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that people listening feel compelled to to act. Uh, Again, specialabilities.net is the website. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to share the story of special abilities and, uh, and, and continue doing some of that amazing work. Uh, really appreciate how you've impacted the community. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share what it is we do. It's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you so much for allowing us to do that. All right, it was great chatting with Jaquel Redmond right now, though. It's time to chat with Danielle Boyd, the public information officer for the Texas Department of Transfer, uh, Transportation. Danielle, thanks so much for waking up with us and uh, chatting with us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. So before we get into Texas Department of Transportation and some of the campaigns and, and things people need to be aware of, how did you uh, get to this position to where you're working for the Texas Department of Transportation? I have uh, transitioned over to this position. Um, I worked actually with local news here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'm very passionate about getting public safety messages out. So the Texas Department of Transportation, I'm kind of doing the best of both worlds. So it's a great position to be in. Safety is always of of number one importance on the road. I, you know, I know I, I used to live in Michigan and driving in the winter, uh, which seemed like eight months out of the year was not that enjoyable. Thankfully, uh, we don't have the same conditions here in the Metroplex, but uh, you know, I know it, it still can be a challenge. So uh, we've got the the winter seasons coming up. I, I guess first things first, uh, what what are some of the tips you have for people in, in getting their car ready for winter travel? Oh, most definitely. And you know, you're right. We do not expect snow in Texas, but you know, the way this year has gone, <laughs> we got to be ready for anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, we could get, who knows, a lot of snow, but Texas, we are known for having icy roads. So Texas thought we do prepare for that uh, each and every way. So we do have tip and for driving in winter travel, the holiday season is coming up and, you know, people may uh, with the COVID-19, they may take the option of driving on the roads now. We may see more travelers and 
uh, doing it more on the highways instead of air, by air. You know, you never know. So one of the things that we do um, or ask our drivers to do, if you're driving at night, of course, always have your, your lights on and make sure you have everything checked. Check your antifreeze, your batteries, your tires, that they are able to drive on icy conditions, wet conditions. Check your windshield wipers and your brake lights, your blinkers, anything that you're going to need while you're driving on highways or, you know, the city streets. And then as far as uh, actually driving in those conditions, uh, what are some of the tips that you have? Well, of course, drive the speed uh, limit, and sometimes you do have to uh, slow down due to some conditions. Like if it's icing or if it's raining, we do not encourage you to drive the speed limit. We encourage you to slow down. Always have that safe traveling distance between you and another vehicle. You know, do not use cruise control. You know, you may lose control on icy surfaces. Uh, make sure you're being careful with your brakes. You don't want to, going back to that following distance, if you have, you know, you don't want to be slamming on your brakes because sometimes, you know, those brake pads are not always brand new. So, you know, just a slow, steady pressure, you know, to test the traction and, you know, because you can do a, a skid. Um, when you're approaching turns and bridges and shaded areas, Make sure that you are slowing down, um, you know, stay calm. And also one of the things we always recommend, if you're going to go see a family member or whoever you're going, your destination, let people know. Uh, send those arrival times and when you're going to be there. Or if you have something that has happened on the road, you know, so that you are ensure safe. And then one of the things that just reading over the campaign, I love this, I, I, I don't know that I've ever intentionally done this, uh, but putting together an emergency roadside kit, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm snacking 24 hours of the day, so I think I got the food part of it covered. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, again, not not intentionally done for that purpose, but uh, w- what's important with that, that emergency roadside kit? Uh, we asked drivers to have some water, snacks, of course, and again, I'm like you. I have been snacking all day, <laughs> all the time. And, you know, one of the favorite things to do when you're on the road, you know, you'll pull over on a Bucky's or anything or uh, Love's, and you'll go get some snacks. But we do encourage you before you leave the house to have those on you. Blankets, jumper cables, just in case you do have an emergency situation. We're chatting with Danielle Boyd of the Texas Department of Transportation. Now, it's it's not just the, the winter conditions, uh, but also fog, which I know... Uh, can be a challenge. Uh, what are some of the, the tips you have for people driving in, in fog? Uh, use your low beam uh, lights and fog lights. You know, do not use your high beams because that does uh, change the visibility. Uh, and again, just like you said, the rain, the ice, we say slow down in fog because the visibility, if it's really thick fog, you cannot even see ahead of you. Um, you can use your windshield wipers and the defroster to kind of get more visibility, but of course that's not going to change the conditions outside. Uh, following distance and um, use your roadside reflectors as a guide if you can't see. And of course, if it's too bad, pull off the road completely. Uh, now, Danielle, unfortunately, I, I think you know part of what you'd love to accomplish is to limit injuries and 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 certainly deaths and. And obviously accidents on the road, but uh, you know it, it's not so easy as just snapping a finger and, and doing so. But there are ways that I guess we, as as you know, as, as members of the community, can uh, do our part. I, I know that uh, one of the the big campaigns the Texas Department of Transportation is uh, is pushing is the the plan while you can uh, faces a drunk driving campaign. What what can you tell us about that? And this is definitely an important time to talk about this with the holidays and holiday parties or any other type of gatherings. We always ask that plan while you can, because drunk driving, unfortunately, is a factor in death on our roads. So, you know, gosh, it it, it seems like such an easy message to share and it's not complicated math. I mean, we're talking one plus one equals two here. Uh, Right. but unfortunately, this does go on. Uh, how can we prevent this? How, you know, how, how can we help one another in, in preventing this or, or improving 
the rate at which something like this happens? Well, one of the first things I want to say, um, you know, always have a designated driver. And one person always say, oh, well, of course, my designated driver could be a person that had two or three drinks. No, that's the one who has not had any drinks. Because depending on your, you know, your body weight and your height and how much alcohol, you know, that stuff can add up and it does take time to get out of your system and your driving can become impaired. So if you're in that situation where you all have had alcoholic beverages at an event and you need to get home, we advise that you call a cab or an Uber or a Lyft or just stay where you are and spend the night if that is an option. And, you know, I I was talking with a buddy about this the other day. We're in a a world where you do have options other than maybe just a a yellow cab taxi. You got uh, these ride share apps uh, and there's more technology today than 10, 15, 20 years ago to maybe uh, reach out to someone. You know, this isn't like you got to page someone and wait for them to call you back to uh, try and get some help. I mean, there, there's just so many ways. It, it seems like as technology is improving, so are your abilities as uh, as a, a citizen to avoid these types of situations. Yes, and I personally have been a user of, you know, the Lyft and Uber services. Uh, even if I'm coming back from the airport or, you know, like if I've, I've gone out for the night and you're right, they have, you know, the maps that you can view, like how quickly that your driver will arrive or the phone number and keep in contact with your driver. But of course, you know, uh, like you said, it's just not like it used to be. You're not waiting forever and it's just a simple, a better option. Now, some people, Danielle, are, are you know, you, you mentioned the impact of COVID, right? And, and you know, there's maybe not as many people flying, but more driving. And, and of course, there are some people who really aren't going out at all. But what what impact or, or what, I guess, recommendations uh, would the, the Texas Department of Transportation have as far as COVID is concerned and, and things specific to the virus? Um, well, definitely, uh use your best judgment as we have been doing all year. And I would recommend personally wearing your mask. Uh, Do not pal too many people in the car or that situation. Don't be at large gatherings uh, for anything like that during the holidays. You have the safety first. That's the first thing. (laughs) Uh, We're talking with Danielle Boyd. Danielle, before we move on from this, I I think it is important to share some stories here because, uh, you know, we can, say, hey, do this, don't do that. But, uh, you know, I think anyone listening who's maybe been impacted by uh, a a drunk driver, whether it's directly or or a family member or friend, it it resonates more and and you hear the stories. I'm curious, I'm sure you've uh, unfortunately uh, heard or come across stories that that kind of jump out to you. I I, I didn't know if there was one perhaps or or two that uh, would make sense for you to share. Um, you know, I don't have a story like personally on top of my head. We have had situations. One of the things that most impacts me is when you see the um, crosses on our roadways and it's just a simple reminder. Um, We do get calls, you know, that we've had requests for traffic footage or things or a hit and run from these types of situations. And we just have to remember that when we're driving impaired, it's not just you're impacting families, you're impacting yourself, and you're putting everyone at risk. This isn't just like a one, uh, you know, situation that one person's impacted. Everyone is impacted. And you have to think about the loved ones uh, that, you know, we have fathers, mothers, daughters, sons, aunts, uncles on the road. Those are someone's family member. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, at some of the numbers. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it really kind of hits you in, in 2019 uh, in the Dallas district, nearly 3,700 DUI alcohol-related traffic crashes. That's uh, 10 a day uh, and, and over 100 fatalities, over 300 serious injuries in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about 2000 DUI al- alcohol related crashes and uh, more than 60 fatalities and around 150 injuries. And, and again, that's just those two districts. And, you know, it, seeing those numbers kind of hit you and 
again, it's it's one of those things where it's so easy to tell someone don't drink and drive. And of course, I mean, this isn't rocket science, but uh, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, when you are drinking, your decision making is compromised. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that's also important and, and you, you touched on this earlier, uh, maybe you might feel like it's not cool to tell your friend not to drive. Uh, you know, you don't want to be the uncool friend when you're going out, but you know, it's, it's well worth it. If in fact that is a, a cause of you, uh, or a result of you saying that, uh, you know, to prevent something from possibly happening and, and supporting one another, uh, when going out seems to be of I- extreme importance. Absolutely. And then just remember, you know, um, ex- definitely not, uh, quoting the exact price, but a DWI can be up to $17,000. So, you know, when you're weighing the pros and cons of paying for a ride share service versus that, which one would you want to do? You know, and just making the smarter decisions. And I do want to say the plan while you can campaign is just not about alcohol. It's also about other things that can impair your driving, like drugs. You know, not that this should be uh, considered a, well, you know, this is going to protect me if I do drink and drive because it, it should just should never happen. But uh, unfortunately, there are accidents, things that come into play because of other reasons. Maybe it's just you're doing everything right. You just, it, you come across a driver who isn't. You know, it's not your fault. You can't always control the other drivers or, uh, you know, maybe you, you just, you, you make a mistake. What? It happens. You know, I got into an accident uh, two weeks after I turned 16 uh, in in Dallas, crossing over uh, Midway on Royal, and I accidentally ran a red light. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention the way I should, and I'm super thankful that neither myself nor the, the person I hit uh, was hurt in any way because we were both wearing seatbelts. If, if he wasn't or if I wasn't, we're probably not having this conversation right now. Uh, yeah. And it just, it baffles me. Uh, I, I don't mean to call out people who aren't, who don't wear their seatbelt, but uh, if you're listening to this and you're in your car and you're not wearing your seatbelt, put it on right now, please. I, I, it baffles me that, that, you know, it's just something that people don't do because a seatbelt uh, is a one second operation uh, and mm-hmm. can have an incredible impact. And that's one of the first things that I do when I get in the car. Sometimes even before I start my car, I automatically reach for my seatbelt. I also want to point out, you know, the distracted driving. And what are we doing nowadays? Cell phones. Uh, I know some of the newer model callers are offering a lot of different technology that prevents us from even touching our phone. But even then, we have the screens on our car that we can touch. That is still a distraction. The phone rings, we're still looking at the screen. I don't recommend any of it. Cell phones still do have that option to put it in a driving mode or, or they can send an automatic text that I'm driving right now. I'll get back with you later. I think there is a feature in your settings to do that. Um, those are some things that can come into play. I'm doing the right thing on the road, but when someone's not and they're texting next to me, they're swerving in your lane, not knowing that they've, we've come to a stop. They hit you in the back. Those are definitely possibilities. Uh, we mentioned uh, snacking. I don't recommend eating a full meal while you're driving and something that you have to look down or open or take your hand off the wheel. There's things that um, can fall. I don't recommend you reaching over to the next seat to, to pull it down. It only takes a second. Things change. We don't know what's ahead while we're driving. Well, I, I'm curious, Danielle. One of the things that stood out is that, I guess, through the, the studies of, of TechStot, that the, the studies are showing that fewer motorists are wearing their seatbelt at night. Um, I, I just... I, why, I don't know, not to, to ask you to get into people's heads, but I was wondering if you could expand on that. And I'm curious, I just, I guess I'm curious why that might be. I would think that, uh, first of all, you should wear your seatbelt no matter the time of day, but nighttime is maybe the, the more challenging driving time. And it seemed like it, it would make more sense if you are selective in that, which you shouldn't be, that you'd wear it at night. But uh, I, I was wondering if you could expand on that. Right. Um, I think we were at... Um 59% of crashes 
uh, we were saw last year that there were unbuckled, unbuckled motorists driving at night. Of course, you know, we can't speak for everyone, but I think it's just more of, you know, it's nighttime or I'm making a quick run or law enforcement is not going to see me when, uh, when I'm driving on the road at nighttime. They can't necessarily see in my car that I don't have a seatbelt on. And that is not the smartest option because guess what? Accidents still happen at night. They happen in daytime. They happen at nighttime. We are actually leading into um, currently our click, click it or ticket campaign that is coming up. And that is where it is going to be enforcement in all areas between November 16th through November 29th. Uh, where it's a state law that requires everyone in the front or the back of the car to wear a seatbelt. And the fines for that can be up to $200. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up front or back. I, I know some people maybe are of the mindset, well, I, I'm, I'm in the back seat. You know, I, I don't need to wear a seatbelt. I got a, a seat in front of me that's going to keep me from uh, exiting the car, you know, upon impact. I, that just seems silly, too. Again, it's, uh, I, I don't know. If you're, I guess I, I I don't know what the downside of wearing a seatbelt is. I'm having a tough time communicating that. But whether you're in the front seat, the back seat, uh, the the middle row, if you're in a you know a big car, I mean it doesn't matter. It, you should be right. wearing a seatbelt no uh, no matter what. Absolutely, because wearing a seatbelt, there has been studies that it has reduced the risk of dying on the road by forty five percent, and. You're right. Like there, you know, people say, well, in the back seat, I'm not necessarily right there in the front by the action. I don't, oh, you can still, there's been accidents that, you know, you can fly up to the front if you don't have your seatbelt on. Every seatbelt has that lock if you have to come to a hard stop. Anything can happen. You have to be safe the whole way in the car because, you know, the front has the airbags. Some cars don't even have airbags in the back. There's, you know, there's a lot of things to take in consideration here. This might be a silly question, Danielle. We're, we're chatting with Danielle Boyd of the Texas Department of Transportation. Are there any, are there any differences to consider when you're driving maybe a, a small sedan versus a, a pickup truck versus a, a big SUV? Not, not suggesting that in some cases you should or shouldn't wear a seatbelt, but separate of wearing a seatbelt, are there things worth considering uh, with the differences in, in cars that we see on the roads? Oh, most certainly. Pickup trucks, they're uh, more than likely to roll over than a passenger vehicle on the road. Now, the exact reason for that, I don't know. But when you're wearing a seatbelt in a pickup truck, that reduces your risk of a fatality by 60%. So you're, we're looking at a big difference in numbers here. And you definitely need to wear your seatbelt in a pickup truck. All right, Danielle, I, I, I was hoping that maybe we didn't have to get to this, uh, but knew uh, inevitably we would. I, I couldn't believe when I saw this, uh, the, the 19 years of daily deaths. Uh, for yeah. every day for the past 19 years, uh, a life has been lost because of a crash. And uh, as as some of the information shares, you would think maybe that would change during the, the height of the pandemic and when things were really mm -hmm. shut down. But uh, even with a significant decrease in, in motorists, uh, that streak, unfortunately, has not come to an end. That's uh, and that's incredibly disheartening. Right. So we have November 7th was the year um, November 7th, 2020 was our um in the street campaign uh, that we launched for TxDOT. We definitely have the messages. I'm sure motorists have seen them on the billboards, uh, through uh, any messaging system that we're able to get the message out. We've, we've had it on our social media, through media advisories, <laughs> just to remind drivers that we are still having deaths on Texas roads. And you're through March when we shut down, there was barely, of course, there was hardly any motorists on the road. We dropped by 44% in some parts of the state for travelers on the road. And, you know, that's huge for Texas because people weren't commuting to work anymore. They, kids weren't going to school anymore. Everything was switched to being virtual and at home status, in which we're still kind of are. I mean, we've seen more travelers now because 
businesses have started to open back up. So, of course, we're going to see more people on the road. Holidays are coming up. It's still going to have an impact on travel. But I want to mention that none of the numbers change. Even with hardly any drivers on the road, the numbers did not change. We still have deaths. Uh, that, that's crazy. I, it just, it's, uh, again, a lot of these, these statistics, they're not fun to read. They're not fun to consume, but it, it certainly hammers home a, a lot of these, these messages that are incredibly important. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious with any of the stuff we've covered, Danielle, is there a, a statistic that jumps out to you that maybe we haven't mentioned something that, uh, is just like, gosh, you know, this, this really does unfortunately help tell a story or, or the story of this particular challenge? Sure. I definitely put some things in perspective for you. I mentioned that November 7th was our 20th year for our industry campaign. And that means we've had 70,000 people die in crashes since then. And then that's 30 and more than 3,600 people last year. So we're looking at an average of 10 people per day to die. That's too many. Yeah, that's absolutely, that, that that's crazy. Uh, Daniel, other than cooperating with these messages, not drinking and driving, wearing your seatbelt, uh, not texting and driving, which I, I know is, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, is, is texting and driving statistically more dangerous than drinking and driving? And I guess maybe it's tougher to measure texting and driving, but I mean, I, I guess it does seem like texting and driving is, at least approaching alcohol-related incidents in terms of uh, issues on the road. Yes, and sorry about that distraction there. You can see my little pups at home <laughs> with me. So we, um, TechSpot is doing our part, too. So we have dedicated $600 million in safety improvements along the roadways. And I know you mentioned just texting and driving and drinking and driving. Any difference? No, because I see them all as distracted driving. In each one of those situations, you have control over. You have a choice to make. So, and the choice is don't do it. <laughs> you know, just plain and simple. I want to go more into those um, improvements. You know, there's construction all over the roadways. And, you know, we're often asked, like, what are you doing here? Or what is this project? Or why do we need to do this? Well, we're widening some roads. We're having an increase in population. The more drivers we have, we don't want uh, backup traffic jams, uh, more reasons for accidents, people speeding to get to their destination because it takes longer. These are definitely safety impro- improvements. Um, one of the things that will be good for nighttime driving is we're adding rumble strips along the center lanes and shoulders to you know, remind drivers, hey, to slow down, or if they can't see and they're veering out of the lane, or unfortunately, if they're dozing off, you'll hear that noise. Um, you know, reinforce shoulders and select turn lanes, you know, and there's going to be some technology improvements too that will kind of increase that safety um, on the road. Danielle, are, are there ways people can? contribute you know we we talked to a lot of organizations where it's like hey come volunteer or or donate this or or, you know contributing money obviously this is a little bit of a different type of conversation but how can people listening contribute other than just following the rules one of the things that we definitely encourage and we um the pios of tech start we put the message out on social media and we encourage everyone to do the same with us and hashtag it or they can um Send it to our Twitter handle um, at text.dallas, and they can hashtag it within the street Texas just by promoting a safety message. Of course, not while you're driving, <laughs> but just show us how you're doing your part. And that could be buckling your seatbelt, um, calling a ride share, paying attention, or just something to show that you are help ending the streak. And then finally, Danielle, it- Anything maybe we haven't covered or or something that you just like to remind people uh, as far as what you and and TextDot does to to help make everything better for people? We are constantly working, constantly improving the roads. We do value feedback to make things better. Um, I want to mention that we do have motorists who share their thoughts and feedback or if they 
uh, see something in the road by calling us, we appreciate that um, because the last thing we want is a motorist to hit or there's an unsafe driving condition and even our potholes. So I just want to say this is, takes a, it takes a whole team to make this mission accomplish. And One the, of the things I do – oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. no, go ahead, Danielle. Well, I just wanted to reinforce that, <laughs> remember, there will be a – a larger sighting of law enforcement between November 16th through November 29th for Click It or Ticket. So we will see that out. And you know the the website as well for information, how to contact, uh, or just if you want to learn, tx.gov. Pretty simple, tx.gov. Danielle, thank you so much for all the work you do in sharing these messages, and we appreciate you joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me help me get the word out. Well, I'm Jared Sandler, 105.3 The Fan. want to thank everyone for joining us this morning. Be sure to tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.